This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. It's good to be with you tonight. Thank you for coming out. And, and we are on the final, um, I want to say episode. I've been watching too much TV. Uh, we're on the final uh, part of the ER series. How many of you have been enjoying the ER series? Extraordinary Relationships. I just want to uh, echo what uh, Pastor Andre said last week. When one would think we're going to talk about extraordinary relationships, you would imagine that we're going to be speaking mostly about our relationship with God. But in fact, this, this series has been focusing for the most part on our relationship with people, which is by God's design. And it's important that we have extraordinary relationships and, and God places them in our lives for a purpose and you'll see that tonight you'll see just how important they are and how necessary and uh, and I believe that God is going to be doing some great things in your lives just as we speak you're going to be grabbing hold of things and just pulling them by faith into your own life but let's pray Father, thank you that as we come tonight to uh, come to the final, the conclusion of this series, talking about extraordinary relationships, Father, and as we uh, look at how relationship reformation is something that you desire, Father, that relationships is all about who you are with us and what you want us to have with each other. I thank you that hearts are restored, that, Father, hopes are restored. I thank you, Father, that people who feel like they've lost everything and that there is no legacy waiting in their future, that that is restored tonight because of your word, because that's your desire. And so thank you, Holy Spirit, for taking this word and planting it deep in the hearts of every single person and that everyone will leave here tonight with a hope of an extraordinary relationship being written into their lives by you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to thank Apostle Theo and uh, Pastor Bev for the wonderful opportunity to be here and to share um, the word with you. It really is a great pleasure, in fact, to do so. So I'm glad that we've taken time to talk about extraordinary relationships and how to build them God's way. Because as I said this morning, the world, I'm sure you will recognize with me, especially as we've come out of the month of June, they've lost the plot as far as relationships go. How many of you would agree with that? It's gone absolutely beyond stupid. There isn't actually a word, I think, in the dictionary that could really perfectly describe just how pathetic it is what's happening in the world today, and it's very confused, and, and, and people will tell you that they have friends, and those friends are nameless, and they are faceless, and they're on the other side of a screen. They've never met them before, but they, yet they've called them friends, and I think the definition of a friend has become very distorted. Uh, just recently, I, I, I watched a little documentary. I've seen more than one actually done by 60 Minutes Australia where they show how women in Australia are being conned out of all of their money, out of their life savings. They're, I mean, they're uh, selling their homes and, and, and sending money to men that are, are their, you know, their, their future husbands and they've never met them and they don't even know what they look like and they, and they pose as these people and these women are so desperate for a close, extraordinary relationship that they're willing to part with everything and it's extremely sad to watch. 
I don't think it just happens in Australia. I think it happens, hey, Pastor Bruce. I think it happens all over the world. But the problem is that people are so desperate for good, lasting relationships. The problem is that in our day and time, relationships have become disposable. And there's no real foundation in relationships. They're, they're not strong. They don't have any depth. They're no, there's no meaningfulness in them. And, and uh, they're not lasting. People easily will dispose. It's unfriend. And I'm not even talking about the clicking. I'm talking about like real friends that just unfriend each other uh, for the silliest things. And so this is how it is. And, but God's design around relationships is not that. And that's why we're going to be focusing on reforming. And the word reform really means to make a change or to improve. I like that. To improve or to lift to a higher level. God is a God of relationship. And the world needs to see that. And we're the way, we are the way in which they're going to see that. And the church sometimes needs to be reminded of that too. In fact, God paid such a high price to be in a relationship with us. And the thing about how God did that, just so that we can just maybe even fathom the greatness of his desire to have a relationship with us, is that God came into our world. He inserted himself into our world. I'm talking about mankind when we were at our most depraved state. When we were in our most sinful state, our most lost state, that's when God desired to insert himself into our lives to have an intimate relationship with us. And the reason why he did that is, number one, because of his nature. You see, God wanted to enter and have a relationship of grace and a relationship of mercy and a relationship of restoration and forgiveness. And he wouldn't have been able to do that if we were not as lost as what we were. And he chose to come in at that point in time. And that should really excite us. Because the next time you feel like God is going to unfriend you, he doesn't unfriend. He doesn't know how to do that. That's not in his nature. In fact, the worse you are, it's almost like the, the stronger his desire is to get close to you. When Jesus was challenged in the New Testament by the religious leaders of the time on what he, what they said to him, they asked him, what is the greatest of the commandments? You know what Jesus said? He referred them to relationship. It was all about relationship. He said to them in, in Matthew twenty two thirty seven. 37, he replied and said, love the Lord your God. He said, the first thing you need to do is you need to get your relationship with God right first, the father first. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. And in the next verse, he says, and then when you've done that, you need to love each other the same way that God loves you. It's important that you love your fellow men and not try and lord it over them because that's exactly how they were interacting with people. They were too good to, to befriend the, the common man. But Jesus was saying, no. It's all about relationship, and we have to love. It has to be extraordinary. It's easy to love someone who's lovable, like your best friend. You've come a long way, and, and you know, there's, just, there's good history, and you just love them because they're, they're a great person, and, and uh, you all enjoy the same things. But it's not so easy to love someone who maybe you dislike a little. And so we have to, we have to work, and on purpose, Look for extraordinary relationships. But I have good news for you tonight because God actually places them in our lives. In 1 John chapter 4, verses 12, it says, No one has ever seen God. 
Just think about what I'm about to read you. Listen, lean in as we like to say, okay? No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, that's talking about relationship. If we love each other, God lives in us, and His love is brought to full expression. In other words, it is fully manifest in the way that we love each other. What God is saying is that through our relational lives, that's how the world will get to see and know Him. Not through a lightning bolt that comes flying through the sky, not through some supernatural display in the heavens, He's saying through the way that we love each other, through extraordinary relationships, that's how the world will know who God is or will see God. Our world desperately needs to see this kind of love and relationship. And we have work to do as a church to reform and transform what these relationships look like and to live a life of extraordinary relationships. Say that, extraordinary relationships. In the world today, I don't know if you're aware, but there are more than 70 different identified genders. There are more than 70. I had them listed here, not all 70. I mean, some of them I cannot even pronounce, but I'm not going to, you can go and look it up for yourself. Uh, But there are more than 70 different genders. There's one called gender fluidity or gender fluid, and that one really says that you can decide what gender you want to be on whichever day it is. One day you can decide to be this gender, another day you may decide to be another gender. I'm telling you something, the devil has an agenda in this world to bring division, because that's the whole purpose. That's what's happening. There's such division in this world around a topic that's so pathetic. And the names that they've come up with is just crazy. But anyhow, the Bible is full of instructions on relationships. So we're going to learn about that the Bible way. Proverbs 13.20 says, Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. So the Bible's saying, if you want to be wise, stop hanging around with fools. If you want to be wise, stick around with the wise. I mean, that seems like... Pretty brainless, but not brainless, but it's a no-brainer kind of statement, right? I love what Louis Malarba says. I don't know who knows the name Louis Malarba, but he's someone I really enjoy listening to. Unfortunately, he's not with us anymore, but in the 80s and I think the early 90s, he was quite a popular speaker in South Africa. He was very outspoken, very bold, and he had some really good things to say, and it was all in Afrikaans. I love the way that he would speak in Afrikaans. And, um, and just in line with exactly what Apostle Theo has been speaking about as far as the giant eagle Christian is concerned, Louis Malherbe says this, and I'm going to say it in Afrikaans because it just sounds so cool the way he says it. But he's talking about, he's saying, onses, onses, um, uh, I don't even know how to say eagles, onses arende, christene is arende, and onses vir ons sel om te swef boe oor die hemeltes. And he says, en weet jy wat ek nie kan verstaan nie? Hoeveel arende daar is wat so tussen die hoeners loop? Arende is nie vir onderstel om tussen die hoeners te wees nie. He's saying that eagles, giant eagles, are not supposed to be walking with the chickens. Jy moet nie met die hoeners pik nie. And that's the problem. Sometimes uh, we, we are sort of uh, uh, 
preventing ourselves from becoming that giant eagle because we're still walking with the chickens. And so God is going to create extraordinary relationships where we have the same purpose, and I'm going to get to that in a moment, where all eagles' purpose is to swift, swiss and ardent, boer and yimultus, to soar like an eagle up top in the heavenlies. That's the English translation. But listen to this, Proverbs 12, verses 26 says, the righteous, listen, just the importance of what God puts on relationships. The righteous choose their friends carefully. Carefully, not casually. But the way of the wicked leads them astray. God says that it's so important that the people that you befriend, that you should choose them carefully. This is not something that's done on a whim. It's your decision to make. That's what he's saying. It's your responsibility to do. And to the young folks, and I would look to the left when I say that because that's generally where they sit, although we are all young. But to the young, the important thing that you need to understand is that you have to choose carefully now already. I was once warned um, that my friends were preventing me from living out the will of God in my life, and I was warned by Apostle Theo. And back in those days, I was very young. He had no idea who I was. But thank God the Lord showed him at the start of a service. He called me out and he gave me that word. And he said, and I was, I was not hanging with the right crowd. And uh, so they have the potential to prevent God's best for you. So you need to make sure that you're choosing wisely now. Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron... So one person sharpens another. You understand the, 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 what that scripture means, right? As iron sharpens iron. And we all say amen to that. But how many of us really love iron in our relationships? We like it where we have a relationship where people make me feel good and they keep affirming me. They keep telling me how wonderful I am. And even these life decisions that I'm making, even though they may not be the right life decision, my friend, the one that I like, is the one that tells me, it's okay, you're fine, you're good, you're gonna be great, keep going, uh, everything's gonna be fine. That's a Tupperware relationship. That's not an iron relationship. Iron comes into your life and says things that make you better, that make you stronger, and that challenge you. And I dare to say that we have an iron deficiency in our relationships. How many of you would recognize that we perhaps have a bit of an iron deficiency in our relationship? We need to get a little bit of iron back into our relationships. Extraordinary relationships have iron in them. That's what makes an extraordinary relationship. The Bible is clear that relationships hold power. And the enemy is also very clear that relationships hold power. He understands it just as well. That's why he tried to bring division from the very beginning. With Adam and Eve, he brought division between the two of them. The one was blaming the other for the, uh, the fact that they had now uh, eaten what they shouldn't have eaten. And then the division came between. There was a separation between man and God as a result of that sin. What about Cain and Abel? What about Jacob and Esau? He began turning men against women and brother against brother. When Pastor Greg spoke on this uh, topic of ER, he was talking about conflict resolution. The devil brings in the conflict. But praise God, there's a solution in the word to, re to uh, fix that, to correct that. 
But it's the devil's plan. As I said, he has an agenda, right? And his agenda is to bring conflict. It is to bring um, division because he understands the power of relationship. He understands the power of unity. In fact, let me summarize Psalm 133 for you. It's only three verses long, but I'll tell you what it says. It basically says, where there is unity, God commands his blessing. The devil hates the fact that God would command his blessing. And the way that that happens is where there is unity. So, of course, he's going to do whatever he can to prevent unity from happening. In 1993, I met Pastor Andre for the first time. I was in the army, and I met him in a place called Dikalolo. We went for a little breakaway over there. And... um, and over the, over the years, he eventually became pastor, and he was a pastor of my area, and I was a cell leader. And so we began a friendship, and our, our relationship grew into, a, I'd say, a fairly good friendship. And, and a couple of years later, we went to Sun City to go and watch the Million Dollar, it was still called the Million Dollar back then, um, Golf Challenge. And uh, after the Million Dollar, when it was done, we thought, let's quickly go to the Valley of the Waves and see if we can't quickly have a go on a couple of the rides. And so we rushed through past the casinos. We didn't even look in that direction. We just ran through, and when we got to the gate where you go into the Valley of the Waves, all who were there were the lifeguards, and they were packing tubes away and stuff. The gate was locked, and they said, sorry, guys, it's closed. And when they looked into our puppy dog eyes, they, they said, okay, come, guys, you can quickly, you can go for it. While we're packing up, you can quickly go it. So we did. We went in, we went on all the rides. Some of them we went on more than once, and we spent about 45 minutes to an hour just doing the rides until the lifeguard said, no, no, it's enough now. And so they gave us some towels, and while we were drying ourselves, um, at that moment, God spoke to me, and I just thought it was quite ironic and funny because I was at Sun City, and God spoke to me over there. And he said to me that Pastor Andre had been put in my life, not just as a friend, but as a mentor. And so these extraordinary relationships do not necessarily have to be uh, 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 friendship friendships, but they can be mentors in your life. And the one thing that I want to point out to people who are looking for mentors and, and, and perhaps have an idea of a mentor that they only will show you the right way in life, I want to tell you that mentors are also put in your life to show you what not to do. And it's not an indictment on Pastor Andre because I discussed this before the message with him and he was okay with it. But the point is that a mentor shows you the right way and a mentor also shows you the wrong way. And, and those are extraordinary relationships. And sometimes we can have those kind of relationships without even knowing the person. For example, like a Louis Malarbe, if I could say it like that, acting as a mentor even though he is not around today. Let me ask you this question. If your relational uh, world was a bank account, What sort of condition is your bank account in? Is your account overdrawn? Is everybody taking but no one is making meaningful deposits into your life? Perhaps it's time for us to balance our relational bank account and start looking for people who can actually meaningfully invest into our account. Let me draw an example from a book in the Bible that's all about relationships. In fact, this book is called the Book of Companionship. Did you know there was a book in your Bible called the Book of Companionship? Some of you look at me like, what kind of Bible does Paul have? I don't have the Book of Companionship. It's the Book of Ruth. The word Ruth actually means companion or friendship. So if you have a spouse named Ruth, you are already on a very good wicket. That's all I want to say. 
And if you have a spouse whose name is not Ruth, then you're ruthless. Um, but, okay. The book of Ruth is, <laughs> the book of Ruth is a book of hope in our relational world because when we first read the book of Ruth, we read about a woman called Naomi. And she'd lost her husband and her two sons. So Naomi was in a bad place. She had no grandchildren. In other words, there was no legacy for Naomi. She just had the two daughter-in-laws, but all the relationships that had great meaning in her life were gone. And she was in a bad space. And you can just hear it by the way that she speaks when you read in the book of Ruth. She's lonely and she feels alone. But God is about to write an extraordinary set of relationships into her life. And I declare that over every one of you tonight. That no matter what your situation is, just like Naomi, God is about to write a set of extraordinary relationships into your life. So here we have this lady. And perhaps you, like Ruth, have lost a person that you believed that you were supposed to do life with. Or perhaps you have been bereft of a friend that you desperately miss. I know of people that have, have lost life partners that have lost very close friends recently, uh, not too long ago, long ago. But I've got a real hope for you. I can tell you that God is with a pen ready to write into your life extraordinary relationships that will change the trajectory of your life. So as I unravel or unveil what happened in Naomi's life, I want you to put yourself in her narrative, okay? Put yourself in there and see God doing the same for you. And so in this book we find the thing that I believe makes every relationship extraordinary. The first thing, and I'm gonna talk about three. The first one is purpose. Without purpose, your relationship will always be ordinary. Without purpose, your relationship will be based on personality only, and that could be a dangerous thing. Because our personalities can change. Because we have personalities. I'm not talking about personality disorder. I'm just saying because we are persons. And we have nalities, personalities. We could differ on things very quickly and get into arguments and get into our backs up against the wall and, and write people off quite easily. Without purpose in your uh, uh, relationship, your relationship will be based on who brings what to the table. And that poses a huge risk. I mean, there's intimidation. Perhaps what you bring to the table you feel is not the same or equal or it's far less than what your friend brings to the table and so you're intimidated by that and you try to equal that. Recently, a friend of mine wanted to, to he asked me uh, uh, for my bank, account details, uh, uh, my bank account details and I said to him, okay, I'll only give you mine if you'll give me yours and he actually got upset with me. Because you're saying, listen, I'm not, this is not a, a willy-nilly thing that I'm trying to do over here. This is not a comparing thing. and uh, I just want to do this because this is what I want to do. And I really appreciated the fact that he was so straight with me. Um, so it's not based about 
who brings what to the table because then we're in trouble. There has to be a purpose. Listen to what Amos 3.3 says. I'm gonna read it from the message translation because I really love the way it's put. It says, do two people walk hand in hand, in other words, together, imagine closely together, imagine extraordinary relationship, okay? Do two people walk hand in hand if they aren't going to the same place. In other words, if they are not in agreement, there must be purpose in our extraordinary relationships. So before you put your hand in someone else's hand, ask yourself or ask them this one question, where are you going? What is your purpose in life? Do you want, um, you don't want to only find out halfway there what their purpose is, and now you're kind of stuck with this person. I'm not even talking about marriage now. I'm just talking about relationship. Before I start my business with you, what's your purpose? What do you believe about the kingdom? What do you believe about generosity? What do you believe uh, about legacy? What do you believe about tithing? If your purpose is just to get rich, and that's the only reason why you want to go into business, then I cannot put my hand in your hand. I I I might put it in your bank account, but I'm not going to be putting my hand in your hand. So we have to establish what is our purpose. Where are we going? When we encourage you to do growth track, and Apostle Theo did such a great job this morning of encouraging us to go onto the growth track or to get involved with groups. We don't sit around and have meetings here at the church and wonder, listen, the people in our church only come here on a Sunday. They don't really have a life. What else can we make them do? to keep them busy. No, that's not the purpose. The purpose is there so that you can be linked together with like-minded people. In other words, people that have the same purpose. And that is your starting point. Bible college is another great example. Do you know how many people go into Bible college single and graduate married? I'm looking at half a couple right now. I don't know where the other half is, but there are many that come into Bible college single and they graduate married. So there's a great reason for you to get into Bible college in 2024. Okay, but the point is purpose, purpose. We must have the same purpose. So Naomi had a brave choice that she needed to make because she had lost every relationship that meant anything to her, and she didn't want to drag the only two people that she could possibly even join hands with to go back home with her because she would be going back to Bethlehem, her hometown, and the two daughter-in-laws were not from that place. They were foreigners to Bethlehem. So she said to her daughter-in-laws, Go back to your homes. Go back to your families where you at least have a hope of a future. You have security. I have nothing. I'm going back to nothing. I'm letting you make a choice. Go back where you have a chance in life. And I think that that was a fair thing for her to say. In fact, she says in the Bible she was going back to bitterness and she gave her daughters-in-law a choice. And so we see two responses that happen through this choice that she gives them. We see an ordinary response, and we see an extraordinary response. So in Ruth chapter 1, verses 11, it says, But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I'm too old to have another, son, another husband. And even if I thought there was still hope for me, she says, 
Even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up and then marry them? I don't think so. So go back home to where you have a chance. Then she says, no, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. She felt like God's hand had turned against her. I don't blame her given what she'd faced. At this, they wept aloud again. And then Orpah, the one daughter-in-law, kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. That was the ordinary response. The Bible says, but Ruth clung. Ruth clung. She said, I am signed up to the purposes of God that are attached to your life. This is not an ordinary relationship for me, and I'm not willing to throw it away. And that's what she said. And then she goes on to declare these words of purpose in Ruth chapter 1, verses 16 to 18. Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will become my people. She was willing to go to a foreign land. And your God will become my God. Where you die, I will die. And really, Ruth, uh, 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 sorry, Naomi at this point realized that she's not going to be able to get rid of this chick because the kind of language she was using wasn't ordinary language. It was extraordinary language. And so the Bible tells us that she stopped urging her. She gave in to Ruth's determination to stay with her. You see, we need purpose because the thing that will often happen when we find these people that we want to walk an extraordinary life with is that problems will arrive. In your marriage, problems will come. In your friendships, problems will come. In your business, problems will come. You name the relationship, problems will come. And if you don't have purpose, you mop, you're not going to make it through those problems. When Ruth met Naomi as her mother-in-law, her name was Naomi, which meant pleasant. Everybody wants to be your friend when your name is pleasant. Everybody wants to be around people who are pleasant. But in the book of Ruth, it says that Ruth hears Naomi say these words to her. Don't call me Naomi. She told them, call me Mara. Because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. Everyone wants to be Pleasant's friend, but no one wants to be Bitter's friend. I went away full, but God has brought me back empty. Understand, God didn't do anything to her. She's just in a bad place. And I'm, I mean, who could judge her for speaking this way? Why call me Naomi, she says. The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. She was going back to a bitter life. That's what she believed was going to happen. This is Naomi now. And here's where the miracle comes in. And you should expect the same to happen to you. We have seasons of problems. And purpose carries us through those to produce what God has intended. When Naomi did, what Naomi didn't realize is that there was a productivity in the womb of Ruth that was to do with Naomi's very future. Naomi had to go through a place of bitterness and Ruth had to stick to her purpose. Sometimes we go through seasons of problems to see who the load-bearing walls are in our lives. You know that when a building is built, it's held up with walls, right? And lots of buildings have lots of walls. And there are certain walls that you can actually remove and it won't compromise the building's integrity. 
but there are certain walls that that building cannot do without. And if you remove those walls, which are called load-bearing walls, then that building will probably collapse. Sometimes we go through problems to see who are our load-bearing friends. Who are the ones that stick around? We find out, are we going to be the Ruth to the Naomi? Are we going to be the Aaron and the Hur to Moses, the Caleb to Joshua, the Mordecai to Esther, the load-bearing friend that is that extraordinary friend? Think of your life as a puzzle piece just for a moment. We have, a, we have this puzzle, right? We always talk about God. He knows the end product and we, we never see the finished puzzle. In a puzzle, your piece has pieces directly connected to you. And in that same puzzle, there are other pieces that have pieces directly connected to them. And, and through a number of pieces, you, you come together. But the pieces that are directly connected to yours, they are in very close proximity. And it's all about proximity. So those that you, those extraordinary relationships are those that are in close proximity with you. And I just want to remind us that proximity increases intimacy and intimacy causes fertility. And if you put the wrong people in the wrong proximity, it will not, it will not, it's not will you produce something, it's what will you produce. Intimacy produced Ishmael and intimacy produced Isaac. You see the wrong proximity produced or had the wrong productivity. So we need to be very careful. That's why the Bible says don't be casual about your relationships. Be careful when you choose your relationships. And that's the third point that I want to go on to. And that is productivity. In Ruth chapter 2, verses 2, it says, And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind everyone in whose eyes I find favor. Because uh, Naomi had nothing. She had no job. She had no one providing for her. There was no food. So Ruth said, I'm going to become productive. Because of her proximity, her productivity produced a legacy in her life. I want to say to you that productivity isn't just about physical work. It can mean prayer as well. It can mean coming alongside somebody, encouraging that person, taking on a role that they are not themselves able to handle based on the circumstances that they find themselves in. But that's the third very important element. Ruth placed herself in that field and she met a man named Boaz. Boaz was so impressed with what he learned about how Ruth didn't give up on Naomi, how she had an extraordinary commitment to Naomi, that Boaz decided to put his hand in hers. And together they were married and Ruth had a child and the child's name was Obed. And Obed is in the lineage of Jesus Christ. So we where Naomi believed that everything in her future had ended, that there was nothing to look forward to in life except bitterness. God was writing an extraordinary set of relationships into her life through Boaz and Ruth and their connection. 
and the fact that their son was born, that the town, you can go and read it for yourself in the book of Ruth. The town cheered on Naomi and said that God had given her a son. Obed wasn't her son. He was Ruth's son. But the thing is this, and I'm closing with this. An extraordinary relationship takes you into your purpose, stands with you in your problem, conceives something of productivity that hands you the gift of legacy that you thought that was lost forever. Extraordinary relationship means their win becomes your win and your win becomes their win. I pray in the name of Jesus that as I have spoken about these extraordinary relationships and what we saw in the life of Naomi who had absolutely no future to look forward to and God changed that. That is my prayer for every single one of you here tonight. I'm gonna ask every head to be bowed and every eye to be closed. This is what I wanna say to you. For those of you that have lost a husband, for those of you that have lost a wife, for those of you that are in an abusive relationship, for those of you that have lost a child, even a grandchild, a best friend, for those of you that have lost a business because your partner stole everything from you. Children that are being bullied at school because they're, willing to, they're not willing to give in to fruitless relationships. God is writing extraordinary relationships into your life right now and has been doing so. I speak from experience. It doesn't always come instantly. But I want to reassure you. And that's what I sense in my heart, that there are people that are saying, but Lord, it's been a year. It's been two years. This whole story that I gave you sounded like it happened in 24 hours. But it didn't happen in 24 hours. It happened over a space of time. And so God is saying to you tonight, I don't know your names, but I know that this is what he is saying to you. Is he saying, don't give up in the hope that you have in my restorative abilities. You're about to walk into extraordinary relationships that will change the trajectory of your life. Just stand firm. Because the enemy immediately comes to steal the word, family. And he will do the same with this message tonight. He will try to come and steal your hope. But I need to leave you with these words. Do not allow him to steal your hope. Even Lorraine, Lorraine Nell, do not allow the enemy to steal your hope.
It's not over. Naomi was not a young lady anymore. And yet God still had an amazing future. If you go and read the end of that book, you'll read that she raised Obed as her own son. And she was written into the legacy of Jesus Christ too. Father, I pray for every single person here tonight and I thank you, Lord, that they will sense physically your touch upon them right now in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray that they will sense the burden lift and your hope-restoring presence falling upon them right now in the name of Jesus. And Father, where people have to make right with relationships, I thank you for showing them that and giving them the opportunity to do so because they've phoned and they just get the phone slammed down in their ear. And so I pray that the heart is softened of that person that they need to restore their relationship with. I pray that their hearts are softened right now in the name of Jesus. For those of you that know who I'm talking, that, that relate to what I'm saying, tomorrow, make that call. And I believe they will listen. I believe they will give you an opportunity. They will meet with you. Because I believe God has moved in their hearts. I believe that with all of my heart tonight. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, just receive that. I thank you for blessing every single person. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' name. If you receive from the Lord tonight, won't you give him a big praise right now? In Jesus' name. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads one more time because there is an extraordinary relationship that is about to be birthed in the lives of people. If you're sitting here tonight and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, you've never taken the step to put your hand in His and say, Lord, I give my life to you. I surrender my life to you. I want to have a relationship with you. I don't want to walk alone anymore. I want to know you. If you are sitting here and that's you, at the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. If you're sitting here and perhaps there was a time where your hand was in the hand of Jesus, but something like uh, what happened to Naomi actually drove you away from the Lord. I want you to know tonight that he's standing with both arms open. It's not just about into one of his hands. He just wants to grab a hold of you. And so if your relationship with God has gone, uh, if there's been uh, some sort of separation, a wedge or a, a, a chasm that is formed between you and God, that is going to be restored tonight. I also want you to raise your hand at the count of three and make right with your father. Like Jesus said, the first thing you need to do, make right with your father. So if you want to give your heart to the Lord, if you want to give your life to the Lord, if you want to return back to God, and if you want to be sure that your eternity will be spent in heaven with Him, at the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. You're about to enter into an extraordinary relationship. One, two, three. Raise your hands right now. Thank you for those hands. Thank you for those hands. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for those hands. This may be the last time you ever get this opportunity. Don't let it wait until tomorrow. If you need to make right with the Lord, if you need to give your life to the Lord, one more time, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. 
Right now, you can do that. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you for those hands. There is a a leader, a dream teamer who is going to come and place their hand on your shoulder. Thank you for doing that. Just to support you, just to stand by you, to show you that we love you and that we're so proud of this decision that you've made. And so I'm going to lead you in a prayer. The Bible makes it so clear. It's so easy to do. All we have to do is accept what Jesus has done for us. So I'm going to lead us and I'm going to ask everybody to follow me in this prayer. Everybody in this auditorium, those in the family room and online, all of us, let's say this together right now. And if you've raised your hand, even those at home, think about what you're saying, okay? You're entering into an extraordinary relationship and it is going to change the trajectory of your entire, your eternity. Let's say this, say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus Christ to die on the cross for me. I want to surrender my life to you. I want to put my hand in your hand. And so right now, I give my life to you. I ask you to come into my heart, become the Lord of my life. I believe you died on the cross for me and that you are risen from the dead. Thank you for forgiving me of all of my sin and for receiving me just as I am. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. Thank you.